at 2005 UTC right after the international news. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Hello, hello, hello. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. I am Jackson Vungani in Washington. Welcome and thanks to all of you for joining us today. And let's start off the show with the Champions League. Manchester City sealed a crushing one-sided 5-0 victory against FC Copenhagen in the UEFA Champions League on Wednesday in their quest to clinch the title for the first time. The entire squad has been unstoppable, led by newly signed striker Erling Haaland. But as viewers Gwen Uten tells us, manager Pep Guardiola says the midfielder Phil Foden has also emerged as a key player on the pitch. Sporty greetings to you, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Jackson. Manchester City are the reigning champions in the Premier League. And since the start of the new season, the club has been relentless on the pitch. Last weekend, Man City sealed a 6-3 victory against Manchester United to keep them in second place in Premier League standings, one point behind leaders Arsenal, with four wins and one draw in their first five matches. Man City's dominance is due in no small part to the dynamic duo of Norwegian striker Erling Holland, who last weekend became the first player in history to score a hat-trick in three consecutive home games in Premier League competition, and English midfielder Phil Foden, a hat-trick artist in his own right, whose partnership with Holland is one to be reckoned with. Foden has been with Man City since 2017, and he's reportedly close to signing a new long-term contract with the club. Manager Pep Guardiola hopes he will remain with Man City for many years to come. And ahead of Wednesday's 5-0 Champions League victory against Copenhagen, Guardiola had nothing but praise for Foden, calling him an exceptional player. He grew up a lot, just already many, many years with us, and he's reliable in terms of physical condition. You know, he's... So intense and everything. I thought the impact when Phil when arrived was wow. This guy is good, you know. And even in the early, not the first season, we start a few games, but the second start to play, playing important games. And he's a guy he doesn't feel the pressure. It's living like Bernardo, as big as the stage or biggest game is, but he he behaved better. Pep Guardiola has also been impressive on the big stage as the manager of Man City. To date, he's won four Premier League titles, four EFL Cups, the FA Cup, and he achieved a domestic treble in the 2018-19 season. But the Champions League title has remained just out of reach. In 2021, Guardiola led Man City to their first Champions League final, but they suffered a 1-0 defeat to Chelsea to come up just short of the prize. Man City are now on the brink of qualifying for the last 16 in the Champions League. And despite Wednesday's victory against Danish champions Copenhagen, Guardiola says he never took his opponents lightly. Always I see the opponents, I see the best of them. Uh, when I play against Dortmund, uh, especially Sevilla at home, they were so aggressive. And every movement is incredible, well done. 
when the winger jam, attacking midfielder know exactly what to do. When attacking midfielder jam, the winger know how to do. How aggressive they are with the winger jam, exactly the fullback support them. So they have a, a real, really good movement that uh, do realize they are world behind the scenes. I don't watch the table. I don't watch the, you know, what is the position. I watch who they are as a team. The players try to know them, discover. Of course, my my backroom staff helped me a lot to to discover. This is my job. Our job was to do and inform to the players which team is going to face, because Champions League I have too much respect for for all the opponents. Copenhagen are currently in last place in Group G with one point. Meanwhile, Man City are at the top of that group and are undefeated with nine points. The two teams face each other again in Copenhagen next Tuesday. And that is all for me, Jackson. Back over to you. Thank you so much, Gwen. UEFA says that a moment of silence was held at all matches in European competitions this week in memory of the victims of the Indonesian stadium disaster that killed at least 125 people. Visit our page on voaafrica.com to catch up on our previous shows where we covered this tragic situation in Malang, that's East Java. Here's a bit of what our reporter in Jakarta told us about the situation. This is the first time the incident that killed uh, so many people, that killed, that caused so many casualties. This is the first time, this is the first incident uh, in the soccer national team that caused so many casualties. That was Ramadani Supata in Jakarta. Remember, you can find the full interview with Ramadani regarding the stadium disaster on our website at voaafrica.com. And we continue with the Champions League as we are approaching the halfway point of this popular and highly competitive tournament. Group E got a little tighter after Chelsea won their first Champions League match with a 3-0 victory over AC Milan. The Blues were able to put on a great performance despite losing French defender Wellesley Fofana to an injury in the first half. Things are tight now with only two points separating Group E leaders RB Salzburg from the fourth-place team Dinamo Zagreb. PSG and Benfica are also looking to secure qualification with a 1-1 draw in Portugal as Messi's goal was cancelled out by an own goal by Danilo. For more on the Champions League, I reached sports reporter and commentator Loic Samuel Youth who is also following the games from his home in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. So, Loic, first of all, let me start off by asking you, how popular is the UEFA Champions League? Are there a lot of people watching uh, in Addis? Oh, absolutely. I mean, football in general is a really big thing in Ethiopia. And the Champions League, you're always guaranteed to have uh, for British team. And historically, in general, you know, Ethiopians are known for supporting Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, and United even have the biggest following. So as part of those ones that involve the Champions League, there will be a lot of following and So Barcelona says that it will complain to UEFA over a controversial refereeing display during the Champions League defeat against, uh, uh, against Inter Milan. Can you give us some details on what happened? So actually there were two different instances where Barca had, I guess, two controversial calls. So they had an equalizer that got disallowed for him. But this one was 
I guess we could agree with this decision because when the keeper touched the ball, it hit one of uh, the Barcelona players' hands before falling to a player who scored. And as per football rules, if there's any sort of um, hand intervention, regardless whether it's by mistake or not, the goal will not stand. So that was the first one. But the second one, I mean, it's impossible to see how the referee disallowed it because the cross came in and then the Inter Milan defender tried to header the ball, but he hit his hand. So his hand is close to his head, which means it's in a natural position. So the referee looked at that, saw the handball clearly on VAR, but still decided not to call it. So then that really, and I mean, if Barca had gotten that penalty in the 90th, it would have given them a chance to equalize. So they felt really hard done by, and then the coach complained he got a yellow card. So following the game, there were rumors that Barcelona would go ahead and lodge a formal complaint to UEFA. But I was just reading up on news today from uh, Adria Albert. He's a journalist who covers uh, Barcelona, and it seems Barca might decide against complaining to UEFA because they don't think it will have much of, a, much of an impact on any, any outcomes. So as it stands, Barca may decide against. We, we are approaching the halfway point of the Champions League. What are some of the surprises in this tournament so far? Oh, man. I mean, in terms of entertainment, it has not been lacking. But in terms of surprises, I'll have to start off with Club Bruges. I mean, this is a team from the Belgian Championship. They were Belgian champions last year. But they were put in a group with FC Porto, Atletico Madrid, and Bayer Leverkusen. All three teams, which in terms of pedigree and history in the Champions League, are much, much higher than Club Bruges. But we have three games in. Club Bruges have nine points out of nine, and they have conceded zero goals. So for anybody who watches football, nobody would have expected Club Bruges to be in this situation. Yes, yeah, a fun fact. So the last time Club Bruges played three games and won the opening three games in the Champions League, or I guess European Cup was back in 1977, and they made it all the way to the final. So again, history shows that Club Bruges are not the biggest side, but who knows? Maybe luck might repeat itself twice. They're the, the dark horse of this tournament. So absolutely, to absolutely. So I, I would have to put Club Bruges as the biggest surprise. But I guess another team we could consider to be a surprise package would be um, Napoli from Italy because they were in a group with Liverpool, who were finalists last year, and Ajax, who are currently champions. So we would have expected this group to be a little tighter. But Napoli has scored four against Liverpool, and just last night they scored six against Ajax. So in a group we thought was going to be really tight, Napoli has really taken the reins. So again, this is a surprise in terms of the group being not as close and not as tight as we would have predicted at the time. Uh, aside from uh, Club Bruges, uh, what are some of the teams that have uh, impressed you so far? Well, so, yeah, so like I said, Napoli are definitely up there because, I mean, in terms of goal scoring, just in terms of how they control games. Because to score four against Liverpool is, is no small joke. So Napoli have to be in Italy, Club Bruges as well. But then Bayern Munich from Germany, they were they were in the same group with uh, Barcelona and Inter Milan. We thought this would be what you call the group of death. But Bayern have won all three games. They have beaten both Inter Milan and Barcelona, which are big teams. So Bayern Munich at the moment, I'd have to say, have to be one of the teams who would consider winning mm. uh, the Champions season. Offensively, they're looking really, really strong. And uh, any particular matchups you're looking forward to? Again, so Barca have lost two of the games so far, which means they might be in danger of getting relegated to the 
Europa League. So I guess in the next upcoming games, Bayern versus Barca will be a really big one because Barca, depending on how much is at stake, will really need a performance. And in addition to that, Barcelona signed on Lewandowski from Bayern Munich, who has spent a lot of years on a lot of trophies. So it will be really interesting to see how, how, if and how Lewandowski can get Barcelona over the line. But now, if we're looking at the group stages, I think one game all football fans will be looking forward to will be Barcelona versus Man City if Barca make it through. And let me tell you why. So currently, Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, who was a former midfielder of Barcelona back in the year. And then um, Xavi was the one who took over from Pep Guardiola in the Barcelona midfield. So they have gone through the same system. They have, they're now coaches. Pep Guardiola coached uh, Xavi. So in terms of the football, footballing philosophy, both of them really love open football. And one more thing to add to that, both teams, Man City and Barcelona, are currently uh, the top goal scorers in both their leagues. So if this matchup were to happen, it would be guaranteed a lot of goals. Erling Haaland, Robert Lewandowski, clinical strikers. So yeah, if that game ever happens, it would be one that would make the footballing world come to a stop. Mm. Uh, and uh, just uh, before we leave you, uh, who are some of the players, uh, two or three players that have actually impressed you so far? Okay. So, I've, okay, thank you for talking about Napoli. And they have this young 21-year-old winger from uh, Georgia. His name is Kvicha Kvaraskelia. So it's not an easy name to pronounce, but he's only 21 years old. He already has five goals in eight games in uh, the Italian league and one goal in three Champions League games. And all those goals have helped um, Napoli stay top in both the Champions League group and in uh, the Italian Serie A. So he's definitely a name to look out for. But I guess someone else we can really mention this season is Messi. We all know he moved to France last year. He didn't have the best season. But so far, I mean, he has five goals and seven assists in nine league matches. So again, he's rediscovering his form. And it will be interesting to look at that because PSG in general, you have Neymar, you have Mbappe, you have Messi. But with all that talent, they've never been able to win the Champions League. So now that these three players are finding form, Messi, five goals, seven assists. Neymar, nine goals, seven assists. And Mbappe, 11 goals so far. So I guess it's not so much about the player, but to see if these three players can finally get PSG above the line and get them to win their first ever Champions League. Loic, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today about the Champions League. Thank you for having me. That was sports reporter and commentator Loic Samuel Yutz. He joined me via phone from the Ethiopian capital, Addis Ababa. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Border crossings. Join host Larry London. Larry London. On Border Crossings, VOA's only worldwide music request hour. Every weekday at 1500 Universal. Tune in for the biggest hits and amazing artists. Win prizes and get the latest news from exclusive celebrity interviews. Send your requests to Facebook at VOA Larry London, Twitter at Border Crossings, or Instagram at Border Crossings VOA. Or call 202-619-2077 
and have your favorite music played to the entire world. Ah. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal, only on The Voice of America. Welcome back. This is the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. And let's continue with soccer and this time go to East Africa in Uganda where the national soccer team, that is the Uganda Cranes, and its coach Moltin Melkos Sledjovic says that he believes that the Cranes will beat the odds and sail through group stages of the Chan 2022 finals that will be hosted by Algeria. Uganda was placed alongside 2009 and 2016 winners, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ivory Coast and Senegal. Mitchell says that his players are up to the task to perform well in the tournament for home best players. Reporter Mugume Davis Rwakarinji has more from Kampala in Uganda. Uganda qualified for the sixth time after thumping neighbors Tanzania four goals to nil on average. The Uganda Cranes, as they are known, were last weekend placed in what is probably the toughest group of the tournament alongside two times winners Diara Congo, Ivory Coast and Senegal. After guiding the home-based players in a successful qualifier, Uganda coach Mirutin Mitchell Sordujovic said the Uganda Cranes are well aware of the tough opponents in Group B, but he says his players up the task. We are having believing that um, for the sixth time will be lucky for us uh, to qualify to the quarterfinals. Uh, we look to get the best possible support from FIFA, the best possible preparation, and with the best possible talent locally, I believe that we can make the result that will make us uh, as a country proud. Uganda has qualified for the last six tournaments, but have never gone beyond group stages. Leon Senyange is a sports analyst in Uganda. Senyange, who is also the vice chairman of Uganda Sports Press Association, terms the draws as exciting. He says to be all order for the East Africans playing against continental giants. Um, this time around, you feel uh, history could repeat itself. But who knows? There could spring a surprise and, um, in this particular this particular time. But even still, you know, um, there's been a, a slump in form of uh, the national team all through. Um, results have been hard to come by. Uh, players themselves have transitioned from what, you know, the energies that used to be to more of a slow-paced a kind of a philosophy playing around here. So you you, you feel that uh, there will be a lot to demand of the players um, from this particular group and going through. Goalkeeper Nafian Alionzi Legason says the Cranes are looking forward to prove themselves among Africa's very best. Of course, the group looks tough uh, given the background of uh, our opponents in football and uh, their contribution to the soccer world. So that calls for a lot of effort from us. The primary role shall be uh, going past the group stage, which calls for collective effort. And, and the best strategy will always win, and how we implement it will take us that far. Uh, one may say we're underdogs, but uh, never, we're not. We'll go all out and give our best. There'll be other exciting games at the tournament, such as for Group C, which has Ghana, Sudan, and Madagascar, who meet defending champions Morocco. The 2022 Chan tournament will take place between 
January 13th and February 4th next year in five venues across the four cities of Algiers, Oran, Anaba, and Constantine. For the sunny side of sports, I am Mugume, Davis Ruakarindi de Kampala, Uganda. Hi, my name is Julius Diego, former world uh, javelin champion and Olympic silver medalist. And you are listening to the Sony side of sports on the Voice of America. And let's stay in Uganda. Soltilo Bright Stars Football Club is a Ugandan football club based in an area known as Matuga. They play in the top division of Uganda football, the Star Times Uganda Premier League. Kesuke Honda, a former SC Milan and Japan international football player, became the majority shareholder of Bright Stars FC when he visited Uganda in June 2017. Soltilo Bright Stars will compete in the new 2022-2023 season of the Uganda Premier League that started early this month. Today, sports reporter Jonah Biakutaga spoke to the club technical director Ian Mutenda who shares insights into the new season for his club and the general expectations of the new Uganda Premier League season. So the Uganda Premier League season 2022-2023 kicked off on Friday, the 1st of October, with a mountain of fixtures as the reigning champions, Vipers Sports Club, um, kicked off with the cutting razor of the day against uh, everybody's hopefuls of Bright Stars, a team that's been in a rebuild of sorts during the offseason. And this afternoon, I'm joined by the technical director of Bright Stars, football club, Ian Mutenda, a man who's been around the game, who's been around the sport at its grassroots in Uganda. And today he will be sharing his insight in the season so far and what to expect in the coming months. Ian Mutenda, how are you feeling this afternoon? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to be here talking about Ugandan football. The league started so much excitement from the fans, from the players, from the coaches, and it should be a very good season. And we're all looking forward to it. All right, um, you had a game yesterday, and before we get into that game, um, uh, let's talk about the kind of preseason that you had. Your own team, uh, there were stories that made rounds that your own skipper, Nelson Senkatuka, who also plays for the national team, the Uganda Cranes, would not be staying. That has turned out not to be true. He stayed with the club, but was uh, surprisingly not in the squad for the first match day. What happened with that? No, on the first day, he just had a knock, but uh, but he's 100% around and he's going to be scoring very many goals. I think he's looking very, very sharp, very lively. And uh, he played a few minutes in the game yesterday, so I'm sure he'll even play more minutes, maybe even the full 90 in our next game, the third game week of the season. But apart from him, we've had so many other players, exciting players coming into the side. Sam Senyonjo is another forward that we have, but then Nurdin Bunjo, who made headlines on the opening weekend, another player called Frank Otto, who's who, uh, who was very exciting in the game we played yesterday. The defense is looking quite solid as well, and there's competition in all areas, which is all you can ask for as a technical director of a football club. 
So Nelson Sekatuka, the captain, returned to the starting lineup yesterday after having missed the first game. You've drawn blanks in your first two games, drawing nil-nil with Vipers and drawing nil-nil again yesterday with Maroons, um, a team that's, that was coached in the past by your current coach himself, a new addition to the team. Is uh, it no, something for the we, fans to worry we, about? No, we, we played against a very good team, obviously, on the opening day. Uh, Vipers, is they are the defending champions and away from home. To be honest, the nil-nil is not exactly the worst result. The second game, we should have won. To be honest, I think we had the majority of the possession. We created most of the chances. We played in the opposition half pretty much throughout the second half. But uh, it's just one of those things where the ball doesn't go in. But the fact that with these new players, there's a lot of good chemistry already. The early signs are very good. There's no question we shall be scoring very many goals this season. It's uh, it's just one of those things, a bit of a slow start offensively, but the players are getting to the right positions. The team is starting to create more and more chances each day. Like you said, uh, Nelson, who is, I'm pretty sure, going to be in contention for the Golden Boot, he just got into the team in the second game. He did not start, but he played, uh, he played just over around 23 or so minutes. So, He's building his minutes, but like I said, he's going to be he's going to be a force and very many other players as well. Is that the reason he did not have the captain's armband in the second game? Or are we talking about a new a, a change in direction, a new coach and a new captain? Yeah, um uh, to be honest, I think it's one of those things where where we don't really have a permanent captain. He's certainly one of the leaders, him alongside Chamba de Andrew, who wore the armband yesterday. So I'm pretty sure they'll continue to rotate that. But uh, the most important thing is for us to have a clear leadership and direction, which is exactly what we have at the moment. I know the table is not really something you can rely on this early in the season, but looking at where you're sitting right now, sixth in the table, only two games played. Many teams have only played one game. But so far from the games that we've seen, we saw an impressive 2-0 victory for AC Villa. We saw Express playing out a one-all draw against UPDF. Which teams have stood out? Villa, AC Villa, of course, beating Gaddafi or Modern um, 2-0. Um, so far, which teams have stood out for you and who do you expect will be contending for the championship come the end of the season? Yeah, the, uh, on the opening day, there were 19 goals scored, which, um, which is quite impressive. 19, 19 goals on the opening match week. Two teams scored five goals. Maroons, actually, the team we, we drew with in the second game, they won their first game 5-0, which was a very impressive opening for a newly promoted side. And then Bull, the guys that won the Uganda Cup, were also very impressive. They won 5-0 away from home to a newly promoted Blacks power side. So. Bull are looking very good at the moment. They look like a kind, the kind of team that can probably sustain that kind of momentum at the top end of the table. But uh, even Villa, like you mentioned, Villa had a very impressive result against a team that many people think will do well this year. But yeah, Villa, the record champions, did well to beat them 2-0, to beat Gaddafi, more than Gaddafi, to go by two goals. In Ugandan football, you have to talk about SC, well, Vipers SC and uh, KCCA Football Club. Those are the teams that have been winning the league for several seasons. They're the teams that are always in contention. So I think it's very, very likely that Vipers, KCC are the two teams to beat. Bull is, uh, is the team that uh, you'd expect to, to try to knock on that door if at all there is to be any upset. 
bull is looking bullish indeed. Maybe before we sign out of this year, Vipers will be on the continent this weekend. They've got a huge game, a massive game against um, a, a team that's been a boss on the continent. TP Mazembe from the Democratic Republic of Congo. They will be in Kampala this Sunday at the St. Mary's Stadium in Chitembe. What do you expect Vipers to achieve in that one? Vipers will definitely compete. They've been working season in, season out, and their target has been to do well on the continent. Last season, they won by a record margin. They won the league by 19 points. They did lose some key pieces uh, of their squad. They lost Cesar Manzoki, who was the top goal scorer and the MVP of the Uganda Premier League. They lost Bobosi, who was also one of their main players, a national team player. So they did lose some crucial players and Halid Dwalio as well, solid defender, but they, they certainly spent in the market, brought some of the better players from around the league into their side. And uh, I think they will definitely go out there and compete. They have a decent balance to their team. And I think they'll put up a really good performance. However, like you said, they're playing against big boys on the continent. So it will definitely be an uphill battle, but they will certainly compete for sure. Final shot on Bright Stars. Where do you finish your season? Another relegation battle? Absolutely no chance, Jonah. <laughs> I don't. I don't see us. I don't see us having. Even last season, I, I think we had some conversations. I told you that the team had a really good squad. It was just one of those things where, for one reason or another, it didn't quite click. We ended up finishing in 11th out of 16, which uh, obviously was less than what we wanted. But I think we've had better preparations. We brought some good, exciting players in, and uh, to add to the squad that was already quite decent and even even with the coaching staff i think they seem very settled and i think they're on to something so truthfully we're trying to aim for a top five finish i know very many teams say that but i think it's it's very realistic for us to finish in the top five that was bright stars fc club technical director ian mutenda speaking to sports reporter jonah biakutaga in Kampala, Uganda. And that wraps up this October 6th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington. Remember to connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook. We are also on Twitter. And if you missed out on our previous shows, check us out at VOA.